0: Well, Danny, three years after COVID hit, I finally decided to catch it and give it to my entire family. So that's that's
1: why we couldn't record last week. I'm sorry. Um, I will forgive you. Was that your first run-in with my very first,
0: my very first, and it sucked. And I can I can only imagine how bad it would have been if I hadn't been vaccinated because it knocked me out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, modern medicine for protecting you (laughs) and now we're back no excuses every week we're coming to you
0: that's right (laughs) hello and welcome to not another business podcast where we break down business news and cultural events according to rules we've entirely made up I'm KJ Miller ex-corporate consultant and current CEO and co-founder of minted cosmetics
1: and I'm Daniela Dectar McCarthy, ex-corporate lawyer and current general counsel at Ness. And fun fact: KJ and I have been friends since our Harvard a cappella days because we are that cool. Disclaimer to start the show: the views we express today are our own and not to those of our companies. Today on the show, we're talking about peoplehood. Mm. What is peoplehood, you ask? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> well. It turns out the founders of soul cycle had some extra time and money on their hands and they decided to launch a new business that is all about human connection and they purport this has roots in their first business soul cycle it's just the next iteration they're calling it peoplehood and we're digging into what it's all about
0: yeah you know a news of this broke Um, They actually, I think, started in beta last summer and people started talking about it in earnest last fall. And I remember you and I sort of like looked at it and we were like, "Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But more people have had more to say about this business as of late. And so, yeah, it feels like the right time for us to take a look under the hood a little bit and see what we think about peoplehood.
1: Yeah, I think my feelings about this will... I'm going to end up feeling similarly like I did to Soul Cycle, which is like, I just don't know. But let's spend some time digging into why that is, shall we?
0: <laughs> let's do it right after our shameless plug. All right, folks, today I am plugging Minted Cosmetics. Minted, as you know, is short for pigmented. We create everyday beauty for every hue. And because it is Women's History Month, we are celebrating all of you pretty much every weekend by spotlighting another one of our amazing products for women uh for instance this weekend we're spotlighting our skin by minted foundation we've never done this folks we're calling it march madness because foundation is 40 percent off for just this weekend to give you a chance to try it and to fall in love with it like so many people have so head over to mintedcosmetics.com and let's get back to the show
1: All right, KJ, hit us with the facts. What what on earth is Peoplehood and why should we care about it?
0: So Peoplehood, as we mentioned, is a startup launched last summer by SoulCycle founders Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice, who, as a reminder, both made a cool $90 million when mm-hmm. they sold SoulCycle to Equinox. So, you know, they're very rich, um, and while they could just sit back and enjoy their wealth, they've decided to start a new company called Peoplehood. So, as of right now, in its current incarnation, who knows? Maybe it'll expand it in different things. But right now, what they do is they host sixty-minute sessions that they call gathers, and this is where groups of people, strangers, get together and discuss their deepest hopes. Fears, you know, stories, what's going on in their lives. So this is something that the founders say on their website, if you go to their like our story page. When we left SoulCycle in 2016, the world felt different. We were all quote unquote connected, but felt oddly disconnected. Social, cultural, and technological forces were pulling us all apart and the institutions keeping us together were losing relevance. People reported feeling isolated, lonely, and burned out and then the pandemic hit. We spent three years researching how communities form, how to bring people together, and how feeling connected can affect our happiness and health. We became obsessed with creating a modern place to gather with an intentional focus on relationship building skills. We set out to create a group practice driven by peer-to-peer connection, collaboration, and growth. The result is peoplehood. (sighs) (sighs) So <laughs> before we get into speculation, okay. a few more facts. A few more facts. Um so that's right, what it right, purports right. to be. Yes. Right. That is very esoteric and and motivational and inspirational, which I think every startup every startup is, right? But here's sort of how it works. So again, if you go to their website, they lay out like what is what are these gathers, what happens in these gathers. So they say, step one, humans have a problem. So happiness and health is more than anything connected to the quality of our relationships. And yet 61% of adults identify as lonely while four in 10 report having no close personal relationships. So then they say, step two, listening is the magic pill. Active listening, which is listening without interrupting, offering advice or giving an opinion is the number one relationship building skill. Feeling heard boosts oxytocin and dopamine are feel-good brain chemicals. So that brings us to number three, which is peoplehood builds high-quality human connections. Our mission is to equip people with space, support, and skills to build deeper, more meaningful relationships with others and themselves. So essentially what they're saying here. And I've actually read this data both in business school and, and beyond about how lonely a lot of adults are. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite surprising the percentage of adults who report, like they said, having no close personal relationships, like mm-hmm. not even family, okay? Not family, not friends. Literally, they just feel like they've got at best acquaintances. That's, you know, four percent. 10, 40% it's a lot. of adults and 60% reporting feeling lonely is huge. And, you know, there are a lot of studies that say you're relationships are directly related to your health right and mm-hmm, the quality mm-hmm. of those relationships so they're saying look this is a big problem it's a big well-acknowledged problem what can we do about it we think what we can do about it is get people into these groups and have them actively listen to one another because active listening is the key to relationship building and relationships are key to health and happiness so that's sort of you know the gist of, of, mm-hmm. of what they're saying Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, uh, last fall is when more reports about this company started popping up. Um, but also recently there was a today show spot about it. And I watched that today show spot and this reporter went and she actually, and she filmed herself and the gather. So you could sort of see what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, and she actually was getting really emotional just talking about, you know, with these strangers the things going on in her life the things going on with her friends you know i think one of the one of the things she was saying was all of her friends are getting married and having kids and she's not and you know she just sort of needed a place to express how she was feeling about that you know and to just be able to say it not because she's like bitter or angry but because like she is feeling things about it and Mm -hmm. just sort of like needed that outlet so Anyway, that's the goal. The goal is give people the opportunity to be heard, to actively listen, to practice those relationship building skills. Um, There are some things that I think are worth mentioning here, though, um, because it all sounds very lofty (laughs) and very great. Um, And those things are, one, the price, and then two, who's guiding these conversations?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, yes. Tell us about that. So how how much is peoplehood?
0: Yes. So Peoplehood um, is $95 a month if you're doing it virtually. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it in person at their flagship New York location, it is $165 a month. So a lot. This is a lot of money, in my opinion. You know, a hundred bucks a month or more um, to chit chat is not a price that I would call widely accessible. It's right. not thousand dollars a month, but you know, it's a good chunk of change. So, I do think that calls a little bit into question how you're going to sort of reframe the problem of adult loneliness when your pricing very much caps it to a certain to a certain market. Um, and then the guides. This is another thing that has gotten a lot of attention. So they're very clear on their website and in interviews. This is not therapy. And the people guiding these conversations are not therapists. Um, What's interesting, though, to me is that they don't seem to be any sort of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What they say on their site is, our guides are a diverse group of humans, handpicked and trained to deliver an exceptional experience. Guides are storytellers, super connectors, DJs, and empaths with big hearts and even (laughs) bigger
1: smiles. So, yeah, so I don't I mean, know what
0: what I don't know what when, that means.
1: The when I am feeling like I need someone to listen, the first thing I think is, I need to find me a good DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. They have good ears. They know when to transition. They know how to make a good mashup and they know how to listen to my problems.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Um those are their guides. And right. then the final thing I will say before we get into speculation, because I think it's it's very much time for us to speculate is their privacy policy. So so they say on their site that, you know, they make a promise of confidence. When you come into peoplehood, you make a promise of confidentiality to each other. So there's an understanding that, you know, you're not going to listen to what people are saying and then go run and tell people about it. And, you know, people have compared this to like, Alcoholics Anonymous. No, there's no binding legal contract, but it is sort of an understanding that you make when you come into this space and into these rooms. Um, However, TikToker Meredith Lynch, who we've talked about before on this show, has made a couple of videos saying that she thinks that this confidentiality promise is a bit dubious because if you actually go to their site and read their terms and conditions, um, they make it very clear that they, you know, are collecting your data on their site and that they might sell or give this daddy data to third parties, um, and that they have no, you know, control over what the third parties then do with your data. So, are we being confidential? Maybe, maybe not. I do think it's worth saying. It seems very clear when they talk about data, they're talking about like your online data, your name. Right. <laughs> You know, your age, the things that you're inputting into their surveys, not the things that you're like going into these groups and saying, like if you're going to this group and talking about your divorce, I don't think they're saying they're going to sell that data, right? But it is interesting when you lead with confidentiality as a promise we make. Also, we might collect and sell your data. Those two things do seem like they're a little bit potentially in conflict. So those are the facts as I understand them anything you'd like to add there
1: no i think that covers it i guess location wise they have a new york city location they have not yet expanded to other cities right so you're either in new york city or you might be doing a virtual gather which you did mention but i think that is important because yeah we'll, we'll get into it in speculation yeah um shall we move on let's do it let's get into it okay so the first thing I just need to share outright is my husband's reaction because it was so <laughs> pronounced. I started telling him about peoplehood, and he said, please don't tell me they use the word empaths. And they do use the <laughs> word empaths. And then he said, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I don't want to know. Um, he said, this is just unlicensed group therapy. Like, yes, they are very clear that it's not therapy, but that doesn't mean that it's okay, right? This is unlicensed group therapy. Mm-hmm. And so it's just very clearly a grift. Like it is just something that is, it's not innovation. It's just something that exists to take people's money away from them. Mm. It's, it's modern snake oil. Wow. Really strong feelings. Yeah.
0: Huh, really strong that- feelings. Strong words from a strong man. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing. So I've never done group therapy. Have you ever done group therapy? Is that too personal? I have question?
1: not. Oh, it's not too personal. Yeah. Yeah, I have not.
0: Um, I've I've only done solo therapy. Um, but I, I definitely understand where Tom is coming from with that because I do think even if you are very clear about the fact that this isn't therapy and these aren't therapists, if you're bringing people together to talk about themselves, their issues, their triumphs, their trials, it's gonna gonna look and feel a lot like therapy. And on the one hand, I think that means you might get a lot of the benefits of therapy out of those conversations. But on the other hand, it means like, None of the risk that is, I guess, absorbed by talking to a licensed clinical therapist is absorbed here, right? So, if you're saying things that to a therapist might raise some red flags, might help her or him understand, you know, you might actually need to speak to a psychiatrist about this. This level of anxiety might be something that we need to think about medication for, right? Uh, this particular relationship sounds unhealthy, borderline, abusive. The things that they are trained to pick up on and then act on, you don't have that in this space, right? Certainly right. not with Homeboy DJ. So <laughs> so I do think that there's a real risk. Even if you say out loud and upfront, this is not therapy, that doesn't mean that things aren't going to be revealed that would typically be revealed in therapy and it sort of sounds like you're not going to have these guides are not going to have the tools to deal with things that might come up the way a therapist would, would deal with them. So I, I can definitely understand that, that fear and that perspective. Do you, do you share that?
1: I'm very conflicted. You know, I think I, one of the merits I see in this business is it is addressing a real problem. Right, like I do. There is tons of data that says loneliness is an issue, and actually, in I think I was looking at a study that Cigna, like the insurance company, kind of funded, Uh um, and you know the the basis for some of the some of the data they looked at was was the U.S. Surgeon General's like claim in 2018 that like loneliness is an epidemic. It's like on the rise. And that was before COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was before mm-hmm. quarantine. That was before lockdowns, before remote work, all of these things which seem like they will probably exacerbate loneliness. So there is a real problem. And I don't think they're the only business or um, type of organization that has cropped up recently to address it. Right? Uh-huh. Like, Meetup. That's an organization where you just go and find people who are interested in something similar and you hopefully make friends, right? But the conceit there is find people, right? Yeah. Um, city Girls Who Walk. Have you heard about this? Uh-uh. Okay, so I don't know how I came how I stumbled on this, but there was also a recent like Today Show feature. There's this fitness influencer. She, uh-huh. she has like something like 1.9 million followers on TikTok. So not like a crazy influencer, but but um, she has a decent set of following who said she was feeling lonely in New York. <laughs> and she just posted like, who wants to go for a walk with me? And it turned into like hundreds, thousands of people joining her on Sundays in Central Park to go walk And actually now uh, that's too many folks, the Central Park, I mean, (laughs) I I know. And now actually it's in like multiple cities. There's like city girls who walk DC, city girls who walk Berlin. Like it's kind of crazy. But the premise there is also people were feeling lonely. They just want to meet new people and talk. So I think the the point is, I don't I do see peoplehood as addressing a real problem Mm -hmm. and where a problem exists. That is a good foundation for a business that could catch on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I so I certainly agree that the problem they're looking to solve is real. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, I felt a little conflicted about doing this episode having not tried this business because I, I you mm-hmm. know, we are doing all this speculating without having tried it. I just couldn't really bring myself to pay. For it yet. <laughs> like if I'm gonna pay for it, I want it to be because I want to try it, right? Not we not should have pretended we're... we
1: were a couple. There's like a, yeah, a there's... discount for couples going. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I guess I feel a little bit conflicted too. The thing that I like about it is I will say I can relate to um having that feeling sometimes where you're talking to someone who you don't know that well. Mm-hmm and feeling like it's almost easier to talk to that person because there's no strings attached. Right. There's no baggage, excuse me. <clears throat> there's no baggage. Right. Um, and there's no expectation necessarily of follow-up, but also I don't feel as burdened talking about like things that maybe are upsetting me because sometimes I feel like there's a burden of like, oh, am I just like weighing down on my friend? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: But if it's someone I don't know that well, I sort of, I don't feel that burden. I feel like, yeah, I can talk about this because you also could talk about your thing. And then, you know, we're just going to both go on about our business. Um, And that release of just sort of speaking your piece um, is something that I think is helpful and, and can feel really nice and that you don't always have an outlet to do. So on the one hand, I do think that that's great or, or could be really great. Um, and then on the other hand, I do think I agree with Tom that it feels, it just feels really risky to set up something that looks and feels like therapy that isn't therapy. Right and to me that's what we've got going on here um you know even some of the prompts cuz they've they they've said in interviews like some of the prompts that the guides will give and you know the prompt will be like how i'm really feeling today you know and that that's uh, very ther- pretty therapeutic <laughs> prompt to me you know um so i i don't know i get I do get a little bit nervous. But I guess, you know, if I think about do I think it'll catch on? Mm -hmm. That to me is, I'm really curious to see how this works outside of New York City. Mm. I think New Yorkers are uniquely willing to try new things. Mm -hmm. um, And uniquely willing to jump on a new trend, particularly one started by SoulCycle founders. Mm-hmm, new Yorkers mm-hmm. are also fairly obsessed with SoulCycle. <laughs> um, so I think it's a it's a pretty distinct crop of people they're starting with. You know, I, I can't, I just don't know that I can imagine if you pop this thing down in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I'm from, that you'd get that much of an uptake because the Columbus, Ohioans that I know, first of all, most of them have been there for a very long time. They were born there, they were raised there, and they stay there. So they mm. are very well connected. They're not transplants. They have family there. They have high school friends there. They have college friends there. They have church friends there. They have their kids, playdate, mom, dad. You know, like just the people I know in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know a lot of lonely folks in mm. Columbus, Ohio.
1: But does um, that mean you think it would potentially take, uh, would potentially take off in – Chicago, LA, SF, maybe cities where there are more transplants and it's not necessarily their home folks' home base? Yes, I do think it'd be more likely in cities like
0: that. Um, But the funny thing about that is, you know, I almost feel like that was kind of the Wings model too. Mm. And I don't, it sort of feels like, and I can name a couple other businesses in the last like five, 10 years where... It was so focused on, like, big, big cities, the New Yorks and SFs of the, of the world. But in order to actually scale and be profitable, it needed to penetrate just regular old cities, <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not the biggest cities, mm-hmm. the regular cities, too, and really struggled to do that. And so maybe this business can be perfectly fine and perfectly big only in the New Yorks and San Francisco's of the world. Um But I'm a little skeptical just based on what I've seen from other businesses who have tried that. And I don't know that I see it catching on beyond the New Yorks and San Francisco's of the world.
1: I think this – some of this really depends on what the purpose of peoplehood is. And I'm not clear based on the materials that they've put out. Is the point to go – And as you say, like, burden-free offload all of your thoughts and have people actively listen, is the purpose to build the tools needed to develop meaningful relationships outside of the peoplehood room, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you learn how to actively listen. You can then go out in the world and take that skill with you to make friends outside of the room, right, mm-hmm. which would be one thing. Is the purpose to make friends with the people who are in the room? Right? At some point, this is a membership, right? This is a membership. There's going to be like membership events, I think is what, is what they say. At some point, you're going to start seeing people who you do know because you've met them before in this room. A bunch. Right, right,
0: right, right. Right?
1: And are you supposed to make friends with them? If you are, does that all of a sudden change the initial premise of go in and and offload all of your thoughts to people who you don't know and and you don't see. Like, it seems like there is a bit of a tension between this idea of go in and share all of your thoughts with people who are strangers, that that can be so meaningful, and this membership model of, like, returning and coming Mm -hmm. back, Mm -hmm. right? Unless there's some kind of, like, programming to say, like oh, actually, like, you've already been in a session very recently with, like, five other people in this room, so we're going to put you in a different room, you know? Right, 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 right. But I haven't seen any of that. So I do think it's, like, how much it catches on kind of depends on what they're really going for. I think if they're going for... I actually, and I don't know which one would be more likely actually in other cities. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess your point is if people are already well-connected in other cities, then like the idea of come here and like potentially come out with friends is less compelling. Um, And so, but but the former of like, come here and talk to people who like, don't have a stake in whatever it is you're going to say could still be relevant. Right. Although overall, I don't know how well that works with their business model.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think the tension you're you're describing is um really astute because I don't know if if what you're saying is we're trying to solve the problem of loneliness. Right. Then to me that would imply that you're not only trying to get people to be better at actively listening, but that you're also trying to give people better and deeper connections. Right. With with the people in the room. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? And if that's what you're trying to do, then I think there's a tension with this idea of like me coming and offloading and you know, speaking my mind and whatever, because eventually what's the difference between that group of people and any other group of people that I know if right. I do know that group of people? Um, and and then also, yeah, I if that's the point for me to build these deeper connections and avoid loneliness then i do think you're going to have trouble transplanting this idea to the non big cities of the world where people do have, you know, deep sort of lifelong connections. So i do yeah, i think there's a real tension there because i it's not clear to me what problem exactly are they trying to solve? Are they trying to solve the problem that none of us are good listeners and we should all be right. better. We should all be better listeners and if we were better listeners, like just generally we'd be better at human connection period. Or are they trying to solve the problem of loneliness? Right. Because it kind of seems like they're trying to solve both.
1: And actually, this brings me to my initial comment, which I feel like this is, I'm going to feel the same way about this business as I do with SoulCycle. Because with SoulCycle, the pr- the problem for me was, are you trying to give me a good workout in 60 minutes where I'm sweating and listening to good music? Or are you trying to make force me to be friends with everyone around me? Because I precisely did not like the latter piece.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. I
1: did not like – I mean, a lot of people were obsessed with it. So, you know, maybe for some people this is they, – they buy it, they believe it, and it feeds them. But for me, I couldn't stand the, like, we are all one. We ride with the same beat. We ride <laughs> to the top of the same mountain. Like, namaste. You know, like, I just I, – that – I always had trouble taking the leap of, like, we are a cycling class <laughs> that is actually a community of people who are there for each other. Like, no, yeah. I'm not there for each other. I'm not there for you. Right. The room is dark. Right. I don't want to see you. I might want to feel the energy. Like, there is something to, like, an energy in a mm-hmm. class. I might want to feel the energy and feel motivated <laughs> by by having other people who are working out around me. But, like, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that the – that the cycling room is the foundation of the great friendship or should right. be. Right. And so, yeah, I feel like a similar tension pivoting a bit, mm-hmm. but back to something we talked about, because one of the things we said in the facts is how is it that it's kind of seems expensive, right? To have mm-hmm. to pay for just a room of people that I can go offload to. Mm-hmm. But, and even though this is not group therapy, group therapy is probably one of the closest things. How does it price-wise compare to group therapy?
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I think if you actually use it to its fullest extent, it's cheaper because the $95 a month for virtual is for unlimited gathers. Mm. Same with 165. Right. So if they're hosting, call it, I don't know, every night of the week, and you actually go every night of the week. Right, right. You know, for 95 bucks, 30 days, now we're talking about three bucks a session. I'm guessing group therapy is more expensive than that. Right. So I do think you could make the case that it's actually very cost effective depending on how often you you decide to go. Um, what makes it feel not price optimal to me is the fact that, one, nobody's nobody's going to go every day, right? So maybe right. at most we're, we're talking about people going every week. Um. But two, the fact that it's this subscription model, mm-hmm. I, I just think like you're asking upfront for people to commit upwards of $100 a month. Um, there's just only but so many people right, who can do that. Like we're we're right. actually talking about, you know, you and I are pretty privileged. So for us, maybe that amount doesn't sound that much, but for the average American, including by the way, the average American in New York, people forget that like a lot of people in New York don't make a lot of money. Um for the average American, that is actually a lot to part with and to and to commit to parting with every single month. Yeah. Um and so I, I was a little surprised to see and maybe this will be in a different iteration, I was a little surprised to see they didn't offer any a la carte options yes. because to me, if the point is every time you go to one of these gathers you're better off. Yep then maybe I only need to go to three or four right. a year, right? Like maybe every quarter I need to just do a little bit of a refresher, go in and have one of things. Maybe once a month I need to go in. But to not offer that option, I think then, and and say like you are committed to spending this amount every month, I, I just think shrinks the pool of people who can really access this.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um but I guess on the on on the other hand, I'm just gonna be an advocate of peoplehood, like, and this isn't therapy, but therapy is done best with practice, right? Like you get the most out of it with repeated, with repeated returns, right, or repeated sessions. And so, even though this isn't therapy, like maybe people do get the most out of consistently going, and it is more affordable than therapy. So maybe that's worth the risks that you're taking on for doing therapy-like work with non-therapists and with DJs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really think they need to take the DJ's piece out of that They really need to take the DJ back,
1: thing down. It I makes agree. it
0: very hard to take seriously. Like, Well, it what? also makes
1: me feel like the people who are going because they are attracted to that description, I don't want to talk to them. Even if they're strangers, right? Like, if you're so moved by the idea that you get to go talk to a quote super connector, what is that word? Or empath or DJ, like, I don't, you might be a stranger, but I don't want to tell you my problems because I think you might be a tool. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But maybe I'm judgmental and maybe I'm the problem making everyone feel lonely. I don't know. Well I I mean look
0: We've talked about it left right and center We've looked at the issue What's your final verdict here Uh, On the peoplehood
1: My final verdict is that It will probably see success in New York Because it is addressing a problem That does exist Because New Yorkers Do love this shit as you said Um, And Because I think they have a track record Of doing things like this Mm -hmm. But it is not for me
0: yeah. Yeah. My final verdict is I'm going to keep paying close attention because I can envision a world where I'd be willing to try it. Um. But for now, I agree. It's not for me.
1: Okay, so it's time for Judge and Jury. If you're new here, this is a segment where we dive into recent news and ask whether there was a display of good or bad judgment. This week, we're talking about Michael B. Jordan. KJ, what's happening here? (laughs)
0: Well, Michael B. Jordan, I honestly love this. He's in a little bit of hot water because you know he's promoting his new movie Creed Three, where he's not only stars but he also directed. He was doing one of many you know red carpet events that he's been doing uh, during promotion, and uh, you know there are people on the sidelines who interview you. So there was a woman on the sideline doing interviews, and and he walked up to her, um, and I. I'm sorry, but I don't remember her name and I don't remember the name of her little podcast publication. But anyway, (laughs) um, she was someone fairly unknown. She's not like a Mm -hmm. a well-known personality, but she does have a podcast and, you know, uh, some amount of listenership. Anyway, um, she starts off by going, you and me, we go way back because apparently they went to middle school together. Right. Mm -hmm. So she goes, me and you, we go way back. And he goes, yeah, I was the corny one. Right. And gives her this look <laughs> like like like, oh yeah, I remember you. You remember you you remember me? You remember calling me corny? Like the look in his eye honestly was so <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It just was very much like, Oh, see, you tried it. And I right. twenty five years later am here to remind you that you tried me. Um and so he <laughs> says that. He says, Oh, right, I was the corny one, right? And she goes, what? No. I I don't think I ever said that. He goes, "Oh yeah, you did." <laughs> <laughs> He says, "Oh yeah, I remember. I remember you did. You you did say it. I remember I was corny, right?" And she, and so then she kind of plays up. She's like, "Whoa, ha ha ha!" And then she goes into her questions, and he answers the questions. It's not like yes. he says, "Like yeah, I was the corny one, right?" And then blows her off. He says that, and then he answers her questions. He plays along, whatever. They have a perfectly nice, like you know, thirty second, sixty second exchange where she, because then his co star comes up, I think Jonathan Majors, um, and she's like, "Which one of you is you know the sexiest?" or whatever which one of you and they're they're sort of laughing and saying like oh it's him no it's him so after that honestly it was like perfectly normal sort of exchange and then it ends 30 seconds later and she ends by saying like well you're not corny now you know clearly still Mm. trying to like (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. save face anyway Um, The internet has had a lot of reactions about this. You sort of have two camps. One camp is like, yes, expose your bullies. Like, it's about, you know, that's what we're about (laughs) out here. Like, if you get bullied, you get to come back no matter what time and and call them out and say, like, look at me now, right? So there's one camp of people that's very pro-Michael B. Jordan in this exchange. Then there's another camp of people who feel like, sir... You are a big, bad movie star, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are a multimillionaire. You are super rich. You've clearly won, okay? And and you versus the bully, you have clearly won. So now to like bring it up all these years later and sort of like be in her face like, yeah, right, you call me corny, right? Like that is you degrading yourself and punching down. And there's Mm -hmm. just like never any good reason to do that. So my question to you is, what do you think? Was this a display of good or bad judgment? Because the internet uh, is having a big debate about it.
1: I'm in camp one. I, he didn't bring it up. She did. She brought up the connection. And by the way, like we all know middle school is awful and mm-hmm. traumatic. And those are formative years. So if she's going to bring it up, he, I think, has every right to say, yeah, we do go way back. You were awful. which he actually didn't he just said you call me corny you know and then he he goes on with the interview and he gives a perfectly normal interview so I didn't find his behavior to be you know below him or punching down I think she tried to use a lever that she shouldn't have tried because clearly he was impacted by her and so that just didn't work like bad judgment to this interviewer for thinking she could gloss over probably what felt like real cruelty at, at a time of Michael B. Jordan's life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I think. What about you?
0: Yeah. I think I agree. I, I, I am not gonna call this bad judgment. It would be bad judgment if Michael B. Jordan one day, out of nowhere, you know, went went on a podcast and was like, Yo, I'm calling out all my middle school bullies. <laughs> <laughs> just started reading out their names unprovoked right. and saying like fuck you. I right. got all this money now, you know. Whatever. Right. That that would be very I'm bad. I'm doxing judgment. them all. Here's their <laughs>
1: info. Right.
0: That would be right. very bad judgment. But in this case, I might actually go so far as to call it good judgment. Yeah. <clears throat> because I think what he displayed was it is not cool for you to act like something never happened if it did. Right. Don't come up to me acting as if we were one We were one way, we were one thing when we weren't. And that's what you did. You don't get to like roll up talking about, yeah, we go way back. We're good friends. If y'all weren't good friends. And right. if you know the way you treated him was subpar. If right. that's something you know and you bring it up anyway, you should be prepared to deal with Sort of the, you know, this is this is sort of the ultimate fuck around and find out. So right. <laughs> I <clears throat> I almost think it's good judgment because I feel like Michael B. Jordan put a lot of folks on notice. Like we're not, we're not glossing over the right. truth anymore. Maybe maybe that's the thing we did in the past. We're not doing it anymore. So if you have something from your past that uh you're not so happy about or that you, you know, don't really want put out there, then you you can't just gloss over it. Right. So, yeah. I and it's almost, team-
1: a, it's almost a model that people can use, right? Because it's basically you can stand up and actually set the record straight and then without making it so uncomfortable that we can't continue on with whatever the business at hand is. But mm-hmm. we're going to acknowledge what the reality of the situation is.
0: Yeah, 100%. It kind of reminds me of, <laughs> I actually did feel a little bit bad about this, but um, the first time they, they they taught our minted cosmetics case at Harvard Business School, I went, you know, cause you go and you sort of like do the guest thing when they mm. write a case about you. And one of the um, investment funds that we had pitched, they were the, like one of the founders of that fund was in the class, he was a student in class. And so, you know, he raised his hand and said something about his fund. It's called Harlem Capital Partners. Now I'm just shouting them out, whatever. Um, Harlem Capital Partners. He raised his hand and said something to the effect of, like, this is why Harlem Capital Partners, you know, our thesis is around supporting diverse founders, something, something. But he's saying it in the context of, my case and I'm standing right. there and I I pitched Harlem Capital Partners and they said no which by the way is fine many 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 people said no right but what you're not gonna do is <laughs> Yeah. Is then sit up here and use my case as an example for why your fund has a reason for being. Nah, that's a, that, that's what we're not gonna do. Right. And I said right. I was like, yeah, that's so interesting because I pitched to y'all and you said no, and the whole class was like, wow, you know. <laughs> And I did feel a little bit bad because like, you know, he may not even No, Actually, I think he was one of the people who was a part of the pitch call, but it it may not have been like his ultimate decision. Maybe it was somebody else at the phone. Right. Right. But yeah, it's like, no, this this is what we're not going to do. We're not going to play pretend. And so, yeah, I
1: I think I, I think it was good judgment. Good job, Michael B. Jordan. We're with you.
0: All right, guys, that's it for this week. As always, we hope you are loving the show and we will be back next week. Don't you worry. So, if you are loving the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us a five star review.
1: And be sure to follow us on social. I'm Danny DMC on TikTok and KJ is I am KJ Miller.